Well, it is the third week of Advent this week. I hope you're enjoying your Advent discussions around your dinner tables, using the guides, getting your kids or friends or whatever to read out the different parts of those and finding a way to make those your own. Uh, I keep trying to remind myself and others, it's not Christmas time, it's Advent time, a time of reflecting, of slowing, uh, of taking time out to think about and ponder and prayerfully be mindful of Jesus coming to earth and all that that means. And we've been talking about hope and uh, we've been talking about God breaking through. And I want to start today by talking about how uh, Jesus is the bringer of light, the bringer of light. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There was a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as witness to the light, the true light, speaking of Jesus, that gives light to every man, to every person, was coming into the world. What an awesome time to reflect on light coming into the world. Everybody's searching for their true selves. They're searching for the light. We're searching for uh, that thing that would be our guide to live well in life. And we are told that Jesus is the bringer of light. When we read light in the Bible, we should think of a few things. We should straight away think of Genesis 1. God's first creative act was to say, let there be light. And so when we read light, we should think God's creative ability, God's bringing life. Uh, when we read light, we should, light's always associated with the presence of God. When God's presence would show up to people, it would be like a bright, shining light. And light also represents a way of walking in the ways of the Lord, a way of walking in his presence, a way of walking in his creation, in his life, and a way of walking in such a way that doesn't destroy it, but only amplifies it in our lives. Light is the way that's in worship to God, as opposed to darkness, which is always opposed to God. And so we should read these things. And as I started thinking about how awesome it is that Jesus is our light, um, I started thinking about, well, how do we be people who walk in the light? In 1 John chapter 2, it says that in verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. And whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But he, whoever hates his brother, is in darkness and walks around in darkness and he does not know where he was going because the darkness has blinded him. So this whole idea of Jesus being the bringer of light is supposed to not just cause us to worship him as like the light we've been looking for, the presence we've been looking for, uh, every we've been looking for how to be truly human, but the light has come to this world and we can know that in Jesus. But it should cause us to wonder how do we walk in the light? John sort of talking about here with some basics of it that we need to walk in a way of love, that love is the way of light, but there's a whole bunch of wisdom to discern about how to walk in the light well in our lives. I often find myself as a pastor and I'm having to do 
uh, having to do, getting to do. Some days it feels like having to do. Some days it feels like getting to do. I keep reminding myself I get to do this. But I often, uh, you know, find myself meeting with different people in the church and uh, that have maybe asked to meet for some reason or another. And they're telling me about a big decision they're about to make. Normally, if they're meeting with me, it might be that they're uh, deciding to leave or they feel called to plant a church or uh, it might be, you know, some really big thing in their life that they've asked to meet. And they often say one of two things when they've already made the decision and they come in to talk to me about it. They normally say they have a piece about it. And I'm sure we've all heard that. Have you ever heard anyone say, I have a piece about it? Um, have you ever wondered, I just stopped for a moment and thought, you know how we justify our decisions by saying we have a piece about it, but does the Bible say if you have a piece about it, then that's God? I don't know, that's just a good question to ask and we'll talk more about that today. They either say that or they say, or and they say, uh, I God has spoken to me, God has told me. And the reality is when somebody says they have a piece about it and God's told them, those are great conversation enders. They give no room for the ongoing conversation and seeking out wisdom of how to walk in the light in the season of our lives. They stop discussion, they stop input because if God said, what can I say? And if you've already prayed and you have a piece about it, why are we even meeting here? Clearly I have nothing that I can offer because your mind is made up. And as a pastor, time and time again, I've seen people make untested decisions that actually go against wisdom paths. I've, I've seen people misinterpret how God is leading them in their lives. And actually it's caused a lot of unnecessary sort of um, rubbish or unnecessary damage or unnecessary wandering in their life. And I find myself caught in those conversations because part of me wants to just say nothing and be Mr. Nice Guy and, and go, well, if God said, and I just trust you, then bless you, bless you, bless you. And I find myself like caught between that. And if they already think that God said, I don't want to be like, you know, contradicting that. Or I try to be very prayerful and mindful of those things. Or I find myself like sort of, you know, going the other way and just like, yeah, I, I just, I find myself as a pastor, I'm sure all of you have found yourself in conversations with people where there's like red lights for the things they're saying, but to them, all they see is green lights. It's hard to be aware of our egos or our biases and, and all of these different things and to try and engage in those conversations in a helpful way. And I certainly don't always get it right. Um, and I'm sure none of us do. But I do want to see people and I do want to see our church. And I do really, I really felt woken in the middle of the night last night to talk about this message. I do want to see people make godly, wise decisions in their life. Do you want to see that? People make godly, wise decisions. I want to make godly, wise decisions in my life. And I want to see the people I lead make godly, wise decisions. I realize that I too, like many of us, have all been guilty at some point or another of not engaging in the practice of wise decision-making. We've rushed ahead, we've pushed ahead with our agenda rather than slowing down and receiving wisdom. And we could all look at stories and I've got many of them in my life that I could look at those stories and think, man, if I actually get engaged in a better practice of wise decision-making, I could have saved myself a lot of drama and I'm sure you can think of that too. One of Paul's 
most common prayers in the letters he writes in the New Testament to the churches he leads is a prayer that goes something like this. And I'm going to read it from, uh, from Colossians 1 verse 9 and following that. But there's forms of this prayer in most of his letters. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Did you hear that? I'm praying that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord that pleases him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in his inheritance of his holy people in what? The kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the bringer of light, but we need to learn to walk in the light. And one of the ways of learning to walk in the light is learning, and this is what this message is about, is learning the spiritual practice of wise decision-making. The spiritual practice of wise decision-making. At the moment, there's a lot of feelings going on, right? You talk with people, feelings are heightened. I was talking with a, a lady at a cafe yesterday and I said, how's it been with all of the, you know, vaccine passports and all of that? And she just, she went, oh, honestly, it's been horrible. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Why is that? And she said, well, every hour I'm having to turn away people who don't have a vaccine passport. And that's not the hard part. The hard part is that in those moments that um, people take all of their anger and all of their frustration and all of their reactions out on me, she said. And I just, I fell for her. I, think, I thought, gosh, somebody working at a cafe is not getting paid enough to deal with this stuff on a daily basis. But this is really some of what's going on. I think for many of us, it's going on inside of us. It's going on around us. It's going on in our families. There's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of reactions. There's some responses. There's some, there's plenty of reasonableness, but there's a lot of unreasonableness out there. And with all of that, I think it's super important that we are found making wise decisions in these times. We're, we're found saying wise words. We're, we're found, um, you know, dampening anxiety, increasing peace in people's lives. That we're found at our post majoring on the major things, serving the Lord and being focused on the things that matter most, uh, who we're becoming in Him. Uh, and, and so the ability to make wise decisions really matters. And I also want to say this, I know that's overwhelmingly as we've gone through this time you have been so supportive people have been so encouraging even last week where katie and i shared that it's been a rough couple of weeks it's been really tough on us um because we don't nobody likes getting trolled online and getting you know negative prophetic words shared with you and denouncing your leadership and your church and having people go because of misunderstandings and decide to leave. We don't like that stuff. But I, I know that the reality is that most people out there, you're very reasonable, you're very understanding, and whether or not you agree, you're encouraging, you're prayerful, you're loving, you're supportive. 
but I, I know that there's people making big decisions about what they'll do with their lives and, and what they'll do with church and all of these things. And so I really think this message about the spiritual practice of wise decision-making is for us all in our lives, but particularly for us in this time, so that we don't do things that later on we look back on and be like, oh, that was foolish. I could have handled that better. And I also want to just take a moment while I say this, because many people who are unvaccinated in our church have shared this with me, that they feel like the decisions we've made make them feel like excluded or unclean, or there's been different things like that shared with me. And I can't fully comprehend um, how you're feeling in these times because um, that's quite a different experience of the experience that I'm having. But I, I can just acknowledge that you're feeling that way. I'm sorry that you're feeling that way. But I need you to know from us as a church and us as a leadership team, um, you are loved, you are included, you are wanted and you are needed. In fact, you are so desired to be included that we're doing so much extra work to make sure and get ready to be able to have gatherings next year that you're able to come to. That's not an easy thing to do under the current mandates. And I don't like the mandates. And I think there, there could be other ways we could deal with those things as a church, but why they are the mandates, we have to find a way to operate within them. And we're going above and beyond to make sure there's room for all of you because you matter to us, no matter your vaccination status. We love everybody. We wanna pastor everybody. We wanna serve everybody. We wanna help everybody continue to grow in the Lord and grow in each other and what God's doing amongst us. So I hope it's like, that you can hear that today. But let's get back to spiritual practice of wise decision-making. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. A wise person listens to advice. Proverbs 11:14 says, where there is no guidance, a person falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Remember that, an abundance of counselors. Proverbs 15, 22, uh, that's not saying like counselors, like go and see your therapist, your counselor, like people giving wise counsel. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 19, verse 20 and 21, listen to the advice and accept my instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans of, in the mind of a man or a woman, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And Proverbs 24, 6, for by wise guidance, you can wage war and in abundance of counselors, there is victory. And so I wanna talk about in this practice of wise decision-making, if we need multiple counselors, if we need an abundance of counselors, what are the counselors that God has provided for us to consult so that we can engage in the spiritual practice of wise decision-making? I think there's five and I got up early this morning and I got into our attic and I found the Duplo. Okay, and so I made a different counselor for each of us, hopefully to help us figure it out. Um, not all of our kids are too old for Duplay, but we've kept it because uh, when other kids come over, um, they can play with it when they're younger. And I guess we're hoping to have grandkids one day, just not one day soon. So um, we've got abundance of counselor. Our first counselor, this little guy, is the scriptures. I think this is the first guy that God has given to us to guide us uh, in our wise decision-making. Our second friend that we're gonna bring in here 
uh, is we're going to bring our feelings. And uh, before you be like, oh, we don't let our feelings guide us, let me explain soon. But I reckon God has given us our feelings as part of our counsel of wise decision making. The third thing God has given us is the Holy Spirit. Let's make the Holy Spirit this multicolored, awesome lady right here. Um, I'm not even going to get to gender things and God. That's going to be another topic and I'll just get in trouble. So, uh, and then we, we get into our, our fourth counselor is spiritual leaders and mentors, pastors, the spiritual authorities in our life is another counselor. And, uh, and then the last one is our community. And uh, I don't know why I put an antenna on that one, um, but that's where we're at. Uh, so that's our community. So we, I believe there's other counselors that the scriptures talk about that we have, but there's at least five major ones that we have the scriptures, our feelings, the Holy Spirit, a godly authority in our lives and our community, our fellowship that is around our lives. And if we want to engage in the spiritual practice of wise decision making, we need to understand our, our team of counselors, our wise advisors, and we need to do a good job at using them all, not just some of them, if we want to engage in the practice of wise decision making. So we start, why, why is the scripture a great person to have around our table when we're making wise decisions? Well, 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, what? In the life of righteousness, so that the servant of God, you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the scriptures given to us to help us live in righteousness, to be equipped, to live uh, as a good servant of the Lord and do everything the Lord has put us on this earth to do. Um, it's very important. However, it requires rust, uh, robust, not rust, robust interpretation. And it requires doing some theological work to figure out how to apply a book that's been written over a span of a, more than a thousand years and more than 2000 years ago. How to apply that to our modern lives requires interpretation, robust work in the scriptures. And it has limitations because you can take any verse out of here, out of context, and uh, you can actually then engage in non-wisdom. You know, people pay Bible roulette. God, I'm just not sure what to do today. And they just flick through, flick through the scriptures and they stop here and it goes, oh, and Judas hung himself. And they're like, oh, that's a bit confronting. Let me flick again. And then they hit this one and it says, and go and do likewise. And this is not the way to read the Bible, right? Because there's a lot of words in here. If we don't, the limitations of it is if we don't know how to use it, if we don't know how to read it, if we don't interpret it well, um, sometimes it can actually give us bad advice. But when we learn to use it well, it is a great advisor. If we don't know the word well, we won't know how to use this advisor well. Um, that's why there's value in academic theological training, because in academic theolo theological training, you don't just have confirmation bias. You have to go through the discipline of looking at different ways of interpreting those passages and then making your conclusions on what you think is the best way to interpret those passages. The second advisor we have, we got our feelings, good old feelings here. A lot of feelings going around at the moment, but feelings aren't all bad. The reality is, is that one of the ways God actually speaks to us is through our feelings. 
What I'm not saying is my feelings are God speaking to me, but sometimes my feelings might be a cue that God is speaking to me. And through the idea of either consolation or desolation, this gut sense of whether you lean into something or you lean out of something, is a cue to begin asking questions to go, oh, why do I feel I'm so against this? That's a feeling of desolation. Why do I, why does that not bring me joy? Why, do, why does that not do it for me? And as we learn to go ask questions about those feelings, we might learn, oh, actually there's, there's something of a spirit about that, or that's actually not of God, or that's not of the light. And we just, and we go, oh, no wonder I was feeling that way. And we learn that God can actually lead us in that way. Or sometimes we can have great joy or great enthusiasm about something. And as we go, why is that? We can realize that that's because that's something God's leading us into. However, we need to be aware of the limitations of our feelings. If we're not good at observing them, at testing them with our other wise counselors, then we can actually be reacting to something that is actually something God's trying to lead us into if we don't develop enough self-awareness to realize, oh, I'm experiencing desolation around this, but actually that's not about that at all. That's about something else that happened to me and this is triggering that for me. And then I realize, oh, so that's actually not God, for example. Or on the only reason I'm excited about this is not because this is God, but because this is easy or because this is, um, you know, something that's helping me avoid something else in my life. And so these are the limitations of our, our counsel, the feeling, but feelings really matter. The third one is the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit, um, you know, when people say I have a peace about it, sometimes it's the Holy Spirit, but sometimes it's just a feeling and it might not actually be God at all. Um, then we have our, our uh, we also need to understand that when we're trusting our feelings, the Bible says this, and I should have said this, Jeremiah 17 verse 9, this is the big limitation of this, it says the, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So just because I have a piece about it, that's not enough counsel to make a good decision. We need the whole wise counselors around our table. The Holy Spirit, he speaks to us and nudges our lives. It says this in John 14, and I use the amplified version to help bring it to life. But the comforter, speaking of the spirit, we could say comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name and in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall, that is, will remind you and bring to remembrance everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit is of great help in prayer and in learning to hear his voice and respond to his nudges and become aware of his movements in our lives, we can make great decisions by making sure the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's through all of these things, but making sure the Holy Spirit is at our table. Um, the limitations often, however, is that we only hear in part from the Holy Spirit and we only see in part and we need to be aware of our own ability to add pictures, to add paths and to add words to the simple things the Spirit might be nudging and saying. And so even the Spirit and, and when we don't, when we exclude the rest of the council, this can become corruptible too because it can become at the whim of just our own perspectives in that. And so we need to be aware of the limitations of that counselor too. The next one uh, is probably people's least favorite one, uh, godly leaders or godly authorities in our lives. In Hebrews 13 verse 17, it says this, obey your leaders 
and submit to them. Whew. Those are words people don't like. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. We need to hear this. We're losing this in our day and age. If you were a part of a local church, if you were a part of Curate, you are a part of a local fellowship of believers. And that local fellowship of believers, God has entrusted godly leaders to lead that. There are Katie and I as the senior pastors. And then alongside us, we have a whole eldership. And together with the eldership, that makes 10 of us who are the godly entrusted leaders of the fellowship to which God has placed you in. And if God has placed you in that fellowship, then that godly leadership and the entrusted leaders down through the different pastors and small group leaders and staff, even though everybody's human, not everybody gets everything perfect. Actually, as people, we're called to mutually submit to one another, but especially to submit to godly leaders and to allow them to speak in to decisions that we are making that are major in our lives so that we might gain a heart of wisdom. We need godly leaders around our table when we're making decisions. And the last, but certainly not least, Oh, the limitations of this one, we should say, and probably a reason why people are terrified of it is because there has been from time to time abuses of power. There can be egos. Th people, these leaders are also, I am also corruptible. And even though we try our best to live aware and with integrity, we are not perfect either. And so we're aware of our humanity. And so there's limitations to this, uh, count, this counselor as well. And last but not least is our community. In the people around us, the people within our fellowship of brothers and sisters in the Lord. In Colossians 3 verse 12, it says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Put on, we need to listen to this verse right now, to every single one of us. It's saying, put on compassionate hearts, put on kindness, put on humility, put on meekness, and patience, bearing with bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, and a few people have complaints against us at the moment, forgive each other. And I know I just keep praying for God. God, help me just forgive. Help me this, help for this to not get in my soul. Help me to keep a sweet spirit. As the Lord has forgiven you, as you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on what? Put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Huts. When people say, oh, the, I had a peace about it. The Bible doesn't say, if you have a peace about it, that's good. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Does everyone around you, does your wise counselors, do they have a peace about it? Let it rule in your hearts. There's an S on that. Let's learn to read the Bible well. To which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, just our normal, everyday, going about it life. Do it all in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What I want you to see is that God has placed you in community 
and that community, those people around your life are part of the wise counselors we need at our table. What do the people around you think about the decisions that you want to make? Not just the people around you, uh, this is the limitations of it. If you just go to the people that you think are going to agree with you, but the full spectrum. What do some older people think? What do some people that you know would disagree think? And get the wise counsel around your table. The, the limitations is not everybody around us is filled with wisdom. Not everybody's an expert. People it can be the blind leading the blind. But together, if we can get all these main counselors around our table and we can engage in a disciplined process around that, this is how we engage in the practice of spiritual decision-making, wise decision-making. A few observations as we get ready to bring this thing home. The first is, is that when we only use one of these, like when people just go, uh, you know, when we just use our feelings, we become unstable. We become sort of flip-floppy. We're here, there, and everywhere, depending on the day of the week, what we've read, what's going on. If this is the only counselor we use to make decisions, we become very unstable. If the Holy Spirit is the only counselor we use, we don't use the scriptures, we don't use these other things, uh, we just become fruity and weird. And, and I've experienced many people that only use this in their life. And it sounds so spiritual and it sounds so holy, but it's not many advisors like the scripture teaches us that we need for wisdom. If all we use is just the spiritual authority and we ignore all of the rest in our life, we don't use the scriptures, we don't use these other things, we can open ourselves up to abuse and, and that can be very corrupted easily. And so we need all of the, of the advisors that God has given us around our table. What I, some, note, some things I'm noticing at the moment is that people don't use all of the advisors that they have around the table. In fact, in our culture of, of individualism and in our Christianity that is tainted by individualism, I notice that people like to use the feelings and the Holy Spirit themselves personally, but they don't like to search the scriptures. They don't like to talk with godly authority. They don't like and, and obey and submit to that. They don't like to talk to a mixture of people with different opinions around them. They just want to make the decisions on their own. Of course, if we follow Jesus through the lens of individualism, these would be the only counselors we would ever need, but that will not lead to wise decision making. Clearly, we need them all. I can see why people don't come to godly authority because of abuses, because of the death of the expert, which is a big issue in our time, because of all round a lack of respect for those who are godly and trusted leaders. We, that cannot be what God is forming in us. All of us need to form a, a, a sort of like honor towards those who are entrusted leaders in our lives and appointed by God to be there and we need to trust. Not saying we can't disagree, but we need to honor and talk and work out the wise counsel in our lives together. I can see how a lack of trust causes us to, uh, you know, a lack of trust of other people causes us to fear being disagreed with. And so we only look for the counsel of sometimes those who agree with us and that doesn't always work very well either. So I would like for all of us to ask this question. And what a great thing to set up big decisions you're making in your life and even little decisions you're making in your life. Not like which toothpaste to buy, but things that are going to shape your life going forward. What would it look like 
for you to make decisions using all of the counsel that God has provided around the table of your life. What would it look like? What would it look like not just to pray about it and feel a peace about it, but actually to search the scriptures for it? What would it look like to ask the godly leaders in your life about what's going on? What would it look like to seek wisdom from those around you in your fellowship? And I just want to, because we made the decision about what we've made, about how church is going to gather from next year. And I just want to show you how we actually used and engaged in this practice of wise decision making. When we first started asking the question of would we gather, how would we gather under the traffic light system? My feelings were of great desolation towards having vaccine passport and non-vaccine passport required gatherings. In fact, I was quite violently against it. I was very like, no God, this isn't right. I was talking with other pastors about how that's how I felt. However, when we met with the elders, we've been learning how to discern God's will together. And we all recognize that the only way you can truly hear God speak is to first figure out why you feel the desolation, but also be willing to lay that aside and to lay and be open to God giving you any answer is the only way you can hear God well is the process of getting to that place where you go, I don't care, just whatever you want, God, that's what I'll do. So we laid that down together. But as I also began talking with other pastors who are older than me and further along and smarter in the scriptures than me, I started realizing that actually my, I was feeling in my desolation because I felt like it was against the Holy Spirit and against the scriptures. But as I humbly tried to seek some wisdom from people, I realized that actually that's not how most theologians would read it. That actually why that's challenging and while it's not nice to have to divide the church uh, temporarily in the way we gather in that way, it's actually not against scripture and it um, potentially isn't against the Holy Spirit. So I had to humble myself. And as I humbled myself and listened and learned, I felt my desolation begin to go as all the reasons I had the desolation, as I was learning from others around me, I realized, oh, that's maybe not the Holy Spirit. It's maybe just Joel's reactions. And then through more prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit began to continue to change my perspective, but not just praying and fasting on my own, praying and fasting and seeking the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of all believers together. And I began to see how God was speaking to others and, and get a better perspective there. We surveyed the church. We talked with many members in the church to get some perspectives. Everybody didn't agree, and that's totally okay. But we're able to get that from the survey and from pastoral discussions and add that. So we rigorously looked at the scriptures. We paid attention to our feelings and we laid them down. We were mindful and seeking the Holy Spirit over a time. We got godly advice from people further ahead and beyond us and be wise beyond our years in different areas, as well as mutually submitting in an eldership to each other. And we consulted the community around us and we got all of that around that table and came to the decisions that we came to. And so 
what I'm mindful of in this time is how do I help you all understand not only how to make good godly decisions so you can continue to make good godly decisions, but for those of you who are going, well, we don't like it, so we're leaving the church, or um, we don't agree, or we feel this, or we feel that. How can I encourage you to also get, engage in a process of wise decision-making, the spiritual practice of wise decision-making, so the decisions you make in the season are filled with godly wisdom, not just your feelings not just your own sense of what's going on, not just talking with all the people that agree with you, but actually how do we do something that's godly and remembering, remembering this, Jesus brings light to the world to show us how to truly live in the light. And Jesus actually says that when we become his followers, we too become the light of this world. And John teaches us that to walk in light is to walk in the way of love. And there's so much about this that it is a ha how we love God and love each other. But I wanna say church, this is the time where the world needs to see us united. Our media, our communities, the people around us, they don't, they don't need to see a church bickering over vaccines. They need us to see a church that can disagree with each other, but love each other anyway. That is the testimony of Jesus bringing light into this world. So can I, can I strongly encourage you with every bit of pastoral authority that I might have in your life in any way to be people of love, to make wise decisions, and for us to be a light in the way we relate to each other, in the way we continue to journey together as God's fellowship and God's family in this season.